Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the Larsenous Matt. Hello there. So, um, Planet of the Dead. Yes. April 11th, 2009. Yes, uh, a, a, an Easter special. An Easter special. Not a Christmas special. So, yeah, we are, we are in the, uh, the 2009 year of the specials. Yeah. No proper no proper series of Doctor Who this year, just just these handful of special episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a one to kick us off with! Yeah, Planet uh, of the Dead. What did yeah. you make of this episode? Okay, so before I tell you what I think about it, I'll let you know what the fandom in general tends to think about it. They're not impressed. Right. They don't most people I've, I get the impression think it doesn't really have much going for it for what it's worth I think it has some good elements I don't think it is a rip-roaring success of an episode but I think it has some ideas and some moments here and there that I actually really like So I think it's a better version of Utopia because it's just really? it's just people trapped on a bus. You mean it, midnight? Midnight. Yes. Sorry. Oh yeah. right. Yeah. Well, that's even more controversial. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, midnight doesn't even get a reference in this episode. Yeah. But, um, this is better, and I sort of spoke about it last week. Yeah. I was pretty drunk when I watched this episode. <laughs> in fact, yeah. probably. It was just one of those nights where my wife was at work and I just thought, right, I'm going to knuckle down, watch these two episodes. Mm. And we very, very rarely have large quantities of alcohol in the house. <laughs> but I just thought, I'll have a couple of beers. And I'd finished those by the time I was halfway through the last episode. Uh-huh. So I thought, I'll have a couple of beers more. <laughs> by the time it was Planet of the Dead, I was having a really good time with this episode. <laughs> I, I was having an absolute hoot. You know what? I think that's that's brilliant. I think that it is absolutely the best way to watch this episode. Like, because yeah. it's it's not a challenging episode. No, it doesn't have really matters. It's just a bit of a romp. But so that that's not to say I thought it was perfect. No, it definitely and has its. There's place. the bit that I didn't enjoy, and we might as well discuss it now because yeah. it comes and goes through the episode. Yeah, is. The episode just frequently cuts back to a rainy tunnel where pe- <laughs> people are just like, oh no, what are we going to do? And it's like, okay, just show me the doctor, please. Yeah, and it, yeah. And they do, that does drag it down a bit. Yeah. yeah. And there's just like this sort of sub-story of an angry policeman constantly trying yeah. to catch this girl. Yeah. And I don't care about that. Yeah, you just you just want to get stuck into the yeah. predicament that the doctor and uh, yeah. the uh, people are in. But anyway, yeah. So let's just get stuck into it, shall we? Yeah. So we begin in the international gallery. Yes. And with ca- can I say, I I believe I will go on record. The worst heist scene ever committed to film. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna talk through that. Yeah. Because, essentially, we're trying to steal a chalice. Yeah. It's guarded by military men. Yeah. 
why are they all stood with their back to the chalice? That's not, a good question. Not one of them <laughs> has <laughs> eyes on the chalice. Right? That is a bad concept to begin with. Point two. Yeah. They're all stood far enough away that it is absolutely conceivable somebody could come in between them and yeah. none of them would notice. Yes. So this chalice is in... It's in like a casing, probably about the size of this room. It's massive. <laughs> Needlessly massive. <laughs> Point three. It's directly beneath like a skylight. Yeah. That's uh, very conveniently placed. Yeah, I mean, that's not inconceivable because you've got to put it somewhere. It's in the middle of the room. You want to have plenty of light, but still. But, yeah. And then we, we haven't addressed the fact that it does have like a laser barrier that goes up around it uh, overnight. Yeah. But only on the four sides. Yes. They're, just have some of them lasers at the top. Yeah. Surely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then what's worse is, as you've said, this is a terrible high scene. Yeah. It sort of rips off Mission Impossible. Yeah. And then... And the Pink Panther. I can't remember. Yeah. There's a Catherine Zeta-Jones film where she's stealing oh, something. Yeah, I know the one. And you mean. so... It's, it's just, yeah, it's every, it's, the, it's every heist trope you've yeah. ever seen all smushed together and done on a BBC budget. Because it entirely rips off Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Because... There's also some sort of weight sensor. Yeah, yeah. So once so you've lifted the chalice, swaps out. she swaps it out and she oh, uses yeah. a Chinese cat. Yeah. One of those good luck cats from Chinese takeaways. And once the chalice has been stolen, we get this revelation that it's Michelle Ryan. Do you recognise Michelle Ryan? No, but I know she's been in like soaps and stuff, hasn't she? Yeah, she was in EastEnders. And she had a pretty good run in EastEnders. Right. Went to... America to make it big. Uh-huh. Starred in the pilot for, I believe it was the 50 foot woman or maybe the giant woman. Right, okay. And I don't think that got further than the pilot. No, it doesn't. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It's not a great premise. I don't think she's done a great deal since. Yeah, I mean, well, I tell you one thing she has done. I might as well let you know now. Go on. You know, Big Finish, I mentioned them occasionally yeah. do audio adventures set in the Doctor Universe and also beyond. They put out a box set of Lady Christina stories in the last year. Does it feature the Doctor? No. Just her? Just, like, yeah, it's set after the events of this episode. Right. Well, we might have to talk about that at going, the end going once on we've adventures. got through this episode. Yeah. But, I mean, I, yeah, I'll be interested to know how you feel about that. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll talk about that at the end, I yeah. feel. <laughs> right, so she removes her mask and the alarm sound. Yeah. And also, that's another thing that fucks me off. She's not even out of the building. She's yeah. taking her mask off. Well, how about the fact that when she's escaping, she's running through what seems to be central London, dressed all in black, <laughs> with a massive over-the-shoulder hold-all yeah. back, yeah. and no one bats an eyelid. What could be more conspicuous? It's like when Rose was walking through London with a giant gun. Yeah. No one says anything. Yeah. But then it turns out that her lover is arrested. Yeah. That doesn't go anywhere, does it? No. He's just literally in this for about five seconds. Yeah. And she says, oh, ha ha ha. See ya. Yeah. And then she escapes on a bus. Yeah. She bribes the bus driver to drive away. Yeah. Well, but pretty much the only thing that seems plausible is when she's like, um, she doesn't have... 
Well, it's not plausible that she wouldn't, if she's packed for every eventuality, that she wouldn't have an Oyster card. That would be yeah. the easy solution. But she doesn't have an Oyster card, so she just takes out her earrings and like, look, there you go, real diamonds. And the bus driver says, works for me. Yeah. That is very plausible. It's a good I mean, little character moment. I mean, it's been over a year since I was last in London. I've still got an Oyster card. It's just yeah. one of those things you just sort of have, isn't it? Yeah, it's not hard. But, and also nowadays, just a standard debit card. Just tap, yeah, just tap a debit card. And, uh, it's and a contactless now. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Right. But then the doctor gets on the bus, offers her some Easter egg, because obviously this is the Easter special. Yeah. That's the, the one and only reference we get to Easter. <laughs> yeah. And then the titles roll. Sure. Okay. After that, the police spot her on the bus. And then the Doctor has like a little gadget that's detecting interference. Yeah. We've never seen that before. I no. highly doubt we'll ever see it again. But I, I, like, I like Gadgety Doctor. You get it every now and then where the Doctor's like cobbled together something for it to do a very specific purpose. Like we saw it in Blink. Do you remember he had he had a little thing that was yes. like cobbled together with like 1960s tech um, when they were stuck there in Blink. Um, yeah, I, I like a bit of Gadgety Doctor. So... They're on the bus, it enters a tunnel, the police block both exits, and one of the ladies on the bus starts hearing voices. A lady called Carmen. Uh-huh. Uh, can't remember the actress's yeah. name, but she was also in EastEnders for a bit. Oh, was she? I know her from Rev. Have you seen the uh, the sitcom Rev? I, I've seen a few episodes. Yeah. I, I really like it, actually. It's, it's quite a gentle sitcom, but it, it, I think it's really quite good, and she's very good in that. Um, I feel like one. this is one thing I did want to address in this episode. I think one of the things that I'm really I'm not impressed by uh, is that it falls into the trap of... Are you aware of the, the magical black person trope? Yeah. This is a very, very stark example of that. Yeah. Where it's just like... It just... It doesn't sit right with me. Mm. You know? Yeah. But hey-ho, so, that's what we got. Got a psychic lady yeah so at this point we get the revelation that the girl from earlier is called christina and the bus goes mental and disappears but at this point i didn't realize but the guy from get out is on the bus yeah is it daniel kaluuya yeah i i I struggle with his earlier but yes yeah also in black panther uh is he yeah yeah Ah. oh yes he is yeah Ah. And uh, a, a, one of the better episodes of Black Mirror that I've seen. Okay. I've only seen the first couple of series of Black Mirror, but he's he's in. Uh, tw- he's I think he's the lead in Twenty Million Credits, isn't he? I'm not sure. I, Have I, you never I, seen it? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Do you want to hear very, a controversial statement? Yeah, no, go for it. Whilst I appreciate Black Panther's a very important film, yeah. I don't think it's one of the best Marvel films. No, I'd agree. I agree. But also, I feel like. You know, it's very easy for us to say that as a couple of white guys. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I entirely appreciate, like, the cultural significance. Yeah. And I'm not trying to diminish that. Yeah. But uh, I've seen lists of top ten Marvel films, yeah. and people have got it as, like, number one, number yeah. two. I, I feel like that is over-egging. Yeah. yeah. Get Out's good, though. I still haven't seen it. Oh, I really want to see very it. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, uh, so the bus is now in a desert. It is, and it's looking a bit worse for wear. Yeah. And uh, interesting little tidbit. They had two buses for filming this story. Yeah. One based in Cardiff. For the of course, it's set, always Cardiff. Set in London. And one that they shipped out to 
Is it Abu Dhabi, I think they filmed okay. in? Um, for, for all the Desert Planet stuff. When they were unloading it, there was a bit of a slippage and it got very badly damaged. Okay. It was not supposed to be damaged in the script. Ah, so they just so rolled with they it. They just had to roll with it and the, the, the prop guys uh, back in Cardiff had to look, use, look at reference photos. Yeah. Of the uh, of the one in the desert and, and, smash, and, destroy, up the and smash up the bus to match. So oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So did, <laughs> and it, but the thing is, actually, it doesn't hurt the episode at all. It feels perfectly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really yeah. They, all they did was just like at last minute, just like oh, let's get some smoke canisters and stuff. So like make it look like it's really been thrown about going through this wormhole. So whilst it's in the desert, it's being watched by a weird alien thing. Yeah. So we don't get a revelation of what that is. We just, just we just get to see its hand like pouring at a screen, and you, I, you've, I don't think you've seen enough classic Who to really appreciate. It. That is such a classic Who thing, right? And like or, like the first episode, I feel like of almost every other classic Who story, you won't see the alien. You'll just see them like tapping at a screen with some like weird alien paw. Um, so yeah, I quite enjoy that. So Carmen at this point has another premonition and says she's surrounded by the dead. Great. If you knew yeah. that and you were on a bus that's just appeared in the middle of nowhere, maybe just keep that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, she's, There's enough panic going yeah, on. Yeah, she's not there? helping the overall vibe, is yeah. she? No, no. So the doctor explains he was chasing a hole in reality and yeah. the bus has driven straight through it. Yeah. So the bus driver cleverly says, well, if it's a hole, we yeah. can pass straight back through it. So he gets out the bus, yeah. runs as fast as he can at the hole, and it's turned into a skeleton. Yeah. And I get that you need to have that moment to really establish the the predicament. Yeah. But God, why an idiot? Yeah. Like, that, he feels, to, that to me is like subhuman levels of stupidity. Yeah. Everyone knows it's, it's like Jurassic Park with the electric mm. fence. Pick a stick up and throw that exactly. at it first. Yeah. But it turns out that the bus protected them all. It acted like a Faraday cage as they passed through. Sure, yeah. So in order to formulate a plan to get home, Christina appoints herself a leader. Yeah, and this is quite a fun little moment, I feel like, because, like, you know, the Doctor, in almost any situation, will automatically try to take charge. Yeah. But then he's up against Christina, and he's just like, you can see him having a think for a second, like, do I? Nah, just let her get on with it. So... So like, he just sort of sits back. So this is where we're introduced to all the people on the bus. Yes. Okay. So there's Christina and the Doctor that we've already talked about. Yeah. There's Barkley. That's Daniel Kaluuya's character. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, who's just like a young man. Just a bloke. Just on his way home. Yeah. We have Angela. Yeah. Who's just a lady. Yeah. And then we have Lou and Carmen. So Lou is Carmen's husband, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're like an elderly couple yeah. on the way home. Yeah. So Carmen says that somebody made this wormhole. And we get yeah. the revelation that she's got some sort of premonition powers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, and yeah, to be fair, we have pretty firmly established that some humans in the, the Doctor Who universe yeah. can have sort of low-level psychic abilities and, uh, and the Doctor also mentions that this is maybe being heightened by being on this alien world like maybe there is some kind of field or something within this particular planet's atmosphere that is enhancing yeah. 
those abilities. So again, just to like mellow everyone out and keep them calm. Yeah. She says death is coming. Yeah. She's really not a. Uh, yeah. Can't the doctor sort of just sort of, of like knock her out for five minutes? <laughs> so the doctor. I mean, promised... I mean, and Lou tries as well, doesn't he? He's like, Lou is like, just calm down. <laughs> you know. But... So the doctor promises he's going to get them all home. Yes, and I do, and I like this moment as well because like doesn't he because like the panic is rising, and he sort of steps up and talks to them all individually and says, "Okay, where were you going?" Yeah, on this bus, and so we get the little and we get a little snapshot of what every person on this bus was, uh, you know, doing, and, and it's all very normal stuff, you know, um, like going to meet a girl that. That uh, yeah, Barty was going to be a girl that he fancied. Yeah, Carmen and Lou on the way home. Lou was going to make chops and gravy. Mm. I got really in the mood for some chops and gravy watching this, I, I as I've did. said, because <laughs> I was drunk. And in fact, I ended up having plain chicken and brown rice because I didn't have the wherewithal to sort of cook anything better. Oh man! So, oh well. But yeah, chops and gravy. What a treat! Yeah. Um. So yeah, is that is it? I like it when the Doctor has this opportunity to like establish the like the human element in, mm. in the situation. Like so, so you don't get like these aren't fully rounded characters. But you get enough that you can care. Yes, yeah, which is good writing. So, so back in London, Unit turn up at the tunnel, hey. and it all feels very much like an episode of Torchwood. Yeah, and again. I said this with the season four finale. Yeah. I, I I don't want to watch Torchwood. Yeah, it's like fair enough. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Torchwood is less militaristic. I really like. It, it's always nice when we get Unit done properly. I feel like Unit is done properly here. If you think back to when we watched the Demons, yes, and you had just a bunch of blokes in uniforms standing around a force field going. Yeah. Like one science guy actually trying to yeah. sort it out. That is exactly what we have here, basically. So, we sort of cut between both stories, so yes. we might as well just talk about Unit for a little bit. Sure. Whilst we're on point. Yes. So, when the Doctor reaches out to Unit, uses his special phone, it's Arissa Magumbo. Yeah, who we saw. We've in, seen previously yeah. in Turn Left. Yeah. Because I remember saying, that's a silly name, and yes. then you accuse me of racism. <laughs> but, yeah. But she's. She's characterised differently here. She's a lot more stern and militaristic. Yeah. And um, we're introduced to Malcolm Taylor, played by Lee Evans. Yeah. And this would have been a time where Lee Evans was pretty prominent. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind Lee Evans. No, he's. I th- Lee Evans is one of those uh, comedians where I bear him no ill will. I don't yeah. like his stand up very much, it's not really my cup of tea. But I think in the right thing, he is very good. He once had a show, and I'm going to totally butcher the name of it. Yeah. I think it was called The World of Lee Evans. Right. And it was like a really surreal, a bit almost like Mr. Bean. Right. But darker, and it had it was a bit more sketchy. Uh-huh. And it was brilliant. I need to watch that. It was really good. That sounds like my cup of tea, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really, really... It was basically like yeah. a dark Mr. Bean. Yeah. And I really like that. There's, there's no way for me not to sound like a wanker saying this, but the best thing I've ever seen Lee Evans in was a production of uh, Samuel Beckett's Endgame. Okay. 
which is uh, my favourite Beckett play. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was absolutely brilliant in it. He was. It's like it's effectively a a two hander for most of the. It's just two characters for most of the time. There are two other characters who are old people who live in dustbins. Right, which is brilliant. They'll just occasionally like just pop up out of the dustbin, throw in a few lines, and then pop back down again, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it was Lee Evans and Michael Gambon, and he was just brilliant. And because like Beckett doesn't get enough credit, he for being funny. He's a really funny writer. Like it's dark and it's weird, um, and it's you know just full of existential woe. But he's also very, very funny when it's done right, and and I think casting Lee Evans really helped to bring out the humour in in that script. So, yeah, he's a great performer when you give him good material. I wouldn't necessarily have got great material in this episode. No, but he's, he's he does what the best he can with it. Yeah. Sure. Now, I know that you don't like telling me what's coming down the line. Yeah. Is this his only appearance? Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's it, I mean, when you get a. a it's rare that you'll get a a, a cameo, cameo. Of, of this statue and that it'll actually turn into a repeated... Uh, it's a shame, because it does form quite a nice bond with the Yeah, doctor. I wouldn't have hated to see Malcolm come back in, in another yeah. uh, story. So, again, I'm making predictions, but I'm assuming Unit don't go anywhere. So, down the line... We may see Unit again, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Doctor's only going to be talking to a different science man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, right... So, back with the Doctor, we find out the bus's engine is clogged with sand. So, he goes just for a little walk, just to see if he can find a solution. Christina goes with him, and we find out at this point that she isn't just Christina. Yes. She is Lady Christina D'Souza. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, as if that means anything to us. I mean, means she's posh. She's posh. Um, Now, looking over the horizon... They see a storm approaching, and that's why the Doctor makes that call to unit. Yeah. But there's something shiny in the storm, and there's also a noise, a weird noise. Uh-huh. And it's a weird bughead man. Just yeah. a man with the face of an insect. I, I worry, We've talked yeah. about in the past, I yeah. don't like people with the face of insects. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Freak me out a little bit. So they are the tritivores. Sure, yes. Okay. Probably no. derived from the word detritivore. Maybe. It's bottom feeder. It's insects that feed on poo, basically. Yeah, right. Lovely. Uh, and it turns out that their ship crashed too. They actually mean the Doctor no ill will. Yeah. They're stranded as well. Yeah, just the same situation. Yeah. And they have a psychic link where they can understand the Doctor. The Doctor seemingly understands them, but Christina... Yeah. Just hears a series of like clicks yeah. and grumbles. Yeah, because obviously, uh, worth pointing out, Doctor is Sans Tardis here. Yes, yeah. Um, so the Tardis is on Earth and the Doctor's in the Scorpion yeah. Nebula, and, the other side think, of the galaxy. I think one of the things that I feel like is a bit of a missed opportunity in this story is that we don't, they don't really capitalise on the Doctor being on the back foot here. Mm. You never really get a sense that he's yeah. struggling particularly. He's always cool yeah and i i would like to see a, a little more concerned about the fact like oh i've got to get back because my tardis is you mm. know because otherwise he is stranded for good he's as he's as in the exact same situation as everyone else you know um and also i don't like that he can speak 
the trying to rule language. Mm. I mean, this is just a personal thing for me. Obviously, canonically, in the, he does in the seventh, and that's fine. And he's just like, because uh, Greg is like, oh, you can speak the language. He's like, yeah, I can speak every language. Like, well, no, because the TARDIS translates. Yeah. It's very convenient that you don't even actually need that function, <laughs> apparently. I think it would have been interesting to maybe see him struggle a bit more with not yeah, being able to communicate. One of the things I liked, one of the very few things I liked about Martha. Yeah. Was in the Doctor's Daughter, where she's communicating with that fish person. Yeah. And sort of one of the main cruxes of that story point is they don't understand each other. Yeah. So that communication sort of strengthens their bond, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I think it would have been an interesting little wrinkle to the story, but mm. it's not what they went with. So, yeah. Like... So through that conversation, they realised that the Tritovores came to this planet to trade in yes. the great city. Of yeah. San Helios. Yeah. Uh, but it Which... turns out it's destroyed. And that's what all the sand is. Yeah. So the sand is everything and everyone destroyed. Yeah. So Malcolm calls the doctor. Says the wormhole is growing four miles upward. Mm. So that's in keeping with the lasers in the gallery, isn't it? Yeah. That it... It just goes upward. Nothing yeah. possibly could have come from above. <laughs> yeah. And then Nathan calls and explains that whilst they've been trying to free the bus, so they've been digging it out the sand using panels to try and lift yeah. it up, it's out of petrol. Yeah. Nightmare. Not, yeah. Not, not ideal. Yeah. How are they ever going to get out of this one? Oh, well, maybe they won't. Maybe this is the end for Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. The end. Yeah. So the Traitorvors sent out a probe which reached the storm and determined it's not actually a storm, but it is a swarm. Mm. It's a swarm of aliens that move through wormholes and strip planets bare. And let's talk about what they look like. They are stingrays. Pretty much, yeah. Like metallic yeah. stingrays. Got, yeah, metal exoskeletons and they fly through the air. Yeah. So there's so many of them, and they go so fast, they're able to rip open wormholes. That's how they move from planet to planet. Yeah. Okay. And Carmen says at this point that the girl will fly. And watching this, I thought that was going to be the big revelation of how they were going to solve the mystery, and it's only just clicked with me now (laughs) what that actually means. Because I've sort of forgotten about that. Yeah. There you go. The Doctor works out that he wants to use the Tritovor's power crystal to fuel the bus. He basically says, energy's energy. If I strap this to the bus, it'll work. Yeah. So Christina goes down the gravity well. And it's just like the episode opening. She's stringed herself up. Yeah. And she jumps off the edge. And and it's very annoying because if she's designated herself team leader, right? Yeah. If you're a good, if you're a good team leader, you tell other people what your plan is. Oh, you delegate yeah. to make the most of other people's skills. Yeah, she does literally everything herself. Yeah, she she overall the doctor's working on a plan elsewhere. He takes her eye off her. Meanwhile, she's like, uh huh, yeah, whatever. Whilst she's strapping herself into her little winch, getting ready to go, and just uh, jumps off, and as we soon establish, very nearly plummets to her death. Yes. <laughs> Because she would have gone through a force field, which would have just rendered her into dust. So it, it's not, it's not a great scene, is it? 
I think they make yeah. a lot of her jumping down holes this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's not as entertaining as people think. No, I think they they got with the thing of like we they had this concept. Let's have a like a like a um, an aristocratic lady cat burglar. Ooh, yeah. That'll be something different. But it's just a bit doesn't work. Yeah, it's just like you. There isn't much to her other than those yeah. things. Like, what's her motivation? I mean, we'll later we find out. She does say that, like, her... And it's uh, oh, and it's such a dated reference as well. It's so, like, 2008, 2009. It's like, oh, yeah, Daddy in, uh, invested all our money in the Icelandic banks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. And so she's, like, trying to claw some money back because they've got the titles, but they don't have the money. So mm. she's, like, stealing But then also it's, like, she's a thrill-seeker. And, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's all very surface level. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So... I think we actually get that revelation at this point because when yeah. she's down the hole, the doctor finds the goblet in Christina's bag. And when she's down the bottom where the Tritovor's power crystal is, there's one of the creatures from the storm Yes, down there. Yeah. So it's dormant because at the bottom of this gravity well, it's colder. So it's yeah. entered like a dormant state. Right. However, Christina's body heat seems to be radiating at such an alarming rate. I mean, she Not must, well, is she? No, she must be on fire. <laughs> um, so it yeah. radiates enough that it begins to stir sure, fine, comes back. Whatever. So, yeah. again, I think they expected this to be like the big, interesting action set piece yeah. when she's winching herself back up this yeah. hole and it, she's being chased. But she literally just puts a laser across mm. and it stops it. Yeah. Like, why not have the laser come across when it's halfway through so it like cuts it in half? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Doctor Who is bad at action. Yeah. It's it's a it could be a really well written, engaging, interesting show, but it doesn't do action well, and it should stop trying. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and the Doctor makes a point she to say, don't just get the crystal. Get like the clamps holding. Yeah. It. So, uh, so she does. So, looking at the track of our ship, the doctor realizes the reason it crashed was they hit the swarm and it was like a bird in the engine. That's why one of them is trapped below. And as they're escaping, one of the Tritovors is eaten. Yeah. No, I don't think we see the other Tritovor after this. Maybe not. I can't remember. I think maybe we see actually both of them get eaten. I think. It could be. Yeah. It's but, yeah. Quite sad. Well, is it? Because it's not really addressed. It's just like, oh, at least we got away. Yeah. Everything's turning out A-OK. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think and that there's like a strew of dead bodies yeah. left in their path. Yeah. So, the Doctor and Christina run back to the bus. And we find out that actually the Doctor never really needed the crystal. Yeah. Only the clamps that were holding it together. Okay. So he sort of takes the big diamond and throws it in the sand. Now, what I thought was going to happen was Christina was going to pick that up and when they come back to Earth, that's how she was going to get all her money back was yeah. this huge diamond. It just gets left in the sand, <laughs> yeah. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's weird that she doesn't pick it up. Like, we've been told all the way through this episode, like, she's greedy. Yeah. And, you know, she cares about wealth. It's a gem as big as my fist. <laughs> and he just throws it in the sand. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So he... Uh... 
so he begins putting the clamps on the wheels puts one on the steering wheel but he says in order to keep the circuit together he needs something that will conduct electricity that's malleable mm-hmm. he says as a know, science teacher did you see where this is going towards the end yeah yeah that he basically needs some gold yeah so he takes the goblet from christina's bag yeah puts it on the dashboard and just begins absolutely hammering it <laughs> flat yeah I like that, but it's 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 a bit of comedy that actually works in this episode. I feel like, but again, I thought either Christina would really contest that decision, or it would almost be like a little bit of redemption that she realizes getting homes more important than wealth. It's but kind she, of neither, she just it? doesn't do anything. She just she sort just, of stood there. Well, she says, "God, I hate you." Like because because like she makes him promise that he's gonna be gentle with it. Yeah. And so he says, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Does it, And then just immediately brings out the hammer, starts whacking it. So Cause she the, can't, it's out of her hands at that point, literally. There is a nice little joke before that where he yeah. says, oh, I need some gold. And uh, Barclay goes, well, why don't you use my watch? Oh, yes, yeah. And he goes, oh, no, I need gold. gold. And he's like, oh, I was told it was gold. And he's like, mm. Yeah. So, again, nice little joke there. Yeah. So he uses the gold. The circuit sort of completes, and it turns the bus into pretty much like the DeLorean out of Back to the Future. Yeah, magic that. flying space bus. Or I get a bit of a bit of a Harry Potter vibe from yes, it. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I feel like when it returns, you know, I mean, we're there, aren't we? They drive off through the, through the wormhole. Well, before they do, do, do we got one of the. Arissa yeah. uh, Magumbo oh, yes. basically says, "We're going to close this wormhole. Oh God, yeah, we can't yeah, have yeah. this swarm come to Earth." Uh, Malcolm says, well, no, yeah. the doctor's coming. Don't worry, we owe it to the doctor to yeah. give him that chance. Magumbo puts a gun to Malcolm's head, yeah. but he still refuses. How do, you, how do you feel about that moment? Well, I I don't know, because I, I would like to see going forward, because obviously UNIT have planted nuclear warheads under the Earth's crust. Yeah. And now, although they... that wasn't a unit, I don't think. Well, I don't know because it, it was Martha was given the key by the unit operative, yeah, I guess and all the other people been. in yeah. the bases seem to be wearing yeah. unit. That's true, actually. Yes, yeah, so maybe it was a unit thing, but but also I th- we get the impression that 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 the Osterhagen uh, key thing would have been dismantled. That oh yeah, but I uh, I would like to see going forward, like the Doctor almost coming to a head with unit yes they don't seem to be the nice friendly unit that we've seen in the Pertwee adventures and to be fair in 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 the Pertwee year as well there were times where it was you know the the doctor and the brigadier had very strong disagreements mm. on policy and that was one of the key things that you know driving tensions in those stories do you think he's so, still in peru uh, you'd, you'd hope he'd got back by now. Might just be in bed again. Yeah. Right. So, as the bus returns to Earth, three creatures from the swarm manage to make it through. Yeah. So, the wormhole hasn't quite closed. It does work. Yeah. Immediately once these creatures have come through. Uh huh. So the creatures are shot down. Yeah. Pretty easily, I would yeah. say. There's not. You, you get the feeling there's going to be like some sort of battle, some yeah. sort of threat, but they're shot down. Considering they've got metal casing, 
Yeah. I thought this will last a while. But I, I, I do quite like if if you're a classic Who fan, there is a nice reference where it's, where, where um, Arisa Magumbo is like, oh, thank goodness, bullets actually work. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, there is a, a specific... I'm going to butcher the wording, but there is an episode uh, with the Brig- Brigadier where he says, just once I would like to be an alien that bullets actually work on. Because yeah. it was quite a common thing that they did. The... Yeah. So well, when they've been shut down, Christina kisses the Doctor. But more importantly, the Doctor meets Malcolm. And yes. he tells Malcolm he's his new best friend. Yeah. And we haven't really addressed sort of how manic... Malcolm is. Yeah. Because yeah. when he's talking about energy flows, he uses a scale called the Malcolm scale. Yes. And he's like, oh, yeah, it, it's using 20 Malcolms. Yeah. And the doctor goes, did, did you name that after yourself? <laughs> and then I think later on, does he go, oh, yeah, it's a thousand Malcolms. We're nearly at a Kenneth. That was Bernard. Bernard. Yes. That's it. Which is a reference to Quatermass. Right. Which is a, an old sci fi. Thing. And it's ambiguous as to whether Professor Quatermass is a fictional character in the Doctor Who universe or an actual one. Right. Uh, because there is... Uh, I won't go into the details, but there is, like, vague potential crossover. There's right. a, a, other references to Quatermass in other stories where, again, it's not necessarily clear whether the character of Bernard Quatermass is a uh, fictional character or an actual person in the world right. of Doctor Who. But anyway, um, so yeah, bit of fun so there. The Doctor tells Magumbo she should hire Nathan and Barclay. Yeah. He says, they really helped me on this mission. Good in a crisis. Yeah. They didn't really do that much, did they? They sort of dug a hole trying yeah. to fix the bus. They kept their heads in a stressful situation, which is a key skill of, I don't know, I mean, they you, are good you, guys. Yeah, but... you see the standard of, of, of your yeah, well, unit yeah. private. They're no worse than them. So, Magumbo brings the TARDIS back. It turns out Unit had sort of picked it up. Yeah, it was in the grounds of Buckingham Palace. To which uh, the doctor says, oh, she doesn't mind. Yeah. Which, you know, fair enough. We have established at this point. That they're like best friends. Best buds, yeah. So, the doctor refuses to take Christina with him. He says he can't afford to lose another companion. Which is a bit sad. Yeah, he's still in that mopey phase, that posts on a mope. So, again, pretty sad moment. Everyone's feeling quite yeah. emotional. So, Carmen comes along with another prediction. <laughs> oh, yes. Just looks the doctor dead in yeah. the eye and just goes, Your song's ending. We've heard that before as well, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. Who said that? Was that the soothsayer? It was the Ood. Was it the Ood? Yeah. Uh, I just assumed that everything's the soothsayer because. Yeah. Turns out all those things he said <laughs> that I paid no mind to were, were actually, actually pretty important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and says it is returning through the dark. Yeah. So God knows what that's going to be. Yeah. Probably the Cybermen from last yeah. week that he shot through time. Yeah, some shite. There was one other bit to her prophecy as well. She Go did. Uh, maybe oh, right he will knock four times. times. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what that will be. We haven't had any knockers. <laughs> that sounded rude. <laughs> That's where we got a bit carry on, Doctor. Yeah. We haven't had anything that knocks. No, yet, have recently. We? Yeah. No. Something to keep an ear out for. Yeah, I'm trying to cast my mind back, but I can't think of anything. Anyway, as Christina is finally led off by the policeman that's been chasing her, 
in the sort of boring sub storyline. Yeah. The Doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to free her from her handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And this is the bit where we get the premonition of the girl will fly. Yeah. She goes off in the magic bus. Yeah. And, like waves at everyone. Yeah, and, and this is the bit where I feel like Murray Gold score. It goes full Harry Potter. Yeah, it's all like, and it's just like, oh, this is laying yeah. it on a bit thick, isn't it? Like, also, morally, was the Doctor right to do that? No, <laughs> no, she's a thief. But this is one of those loose ends, right? Yeah, I, I've basically come to terms with the fact <laughs> that that sonic screwdriver in a bin isn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> Right, I okay. think. I, think I mean, well, I don't know. We've got. It, it, I'd, I'd be pleasantly surprised if it did. Yeah. But I, uh, I've sort of given up hope. <laughs> you know, usually there'd be a little nod to it every now and again. Yeah. But, right. I do think we're going to see him on the run from the Shadow Proclamation going forward. Okay. They wanted him to be a weapon. Sure. We can't forget that he's now got a daughter whizzing about <laughs> in space. Yeah. Somewhere. Right. And now there's just a girl with the magic school bus <laughs> floating <laughs> round. Yeah. Like. I'm not confident that's going to be addressed, apart from these big issue stories. Yeah, big finish. That's yeah. it. Not big yeah. issue, that's the homeless magazine, isn't it? But basically, big finish are where loose plot ends... Go in to die. Of... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Christ. So yeah, for those who are really desperate to find out who, what... Who, who watched this? Just going, oh, I must know what that bus is up to. <laughs> You know, enough people that they seem to think it was commercially viable but, to record and release those stories. Like, if they said, oh yeah, we're going to let you know what Rose and the Handy Doctor are up to. Yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. If they're like, oh, you know, this is what Eccleston's Doctor got up to when he went back in the TARDIS for yeah. five seconds. Yeah. I'm all about that. I, I would kill for if, some big finish Christopher Eccleston If it's stories. just like, you know that annoying girl that left in a magic space bus for one episode for one episode no yeah i don't need that in my life i must say have those been released yet those big finish adventures yeah right let's pause the recording i'm going to google it and we're going to get the synopsis of these i'm genuinely keen to hear these go on okay so what i'm going to do is run through the four episodes uh-huh. i'm going to give you the title see if you can tell me the premise okay the, it's a bit like episodes of columbo where you can work <laughs> out exactly what's happening okay so episode one yeah it takes a thief okay so more heisty shenanigans presumably um she's i don't know off getting some rare diamonds because I'm presuming because it, it's she can travel around Earth, but that's it, right? Pretty much. Like she can't travel in time. She can't travel. It's it's it can just fly. So, so, so episode one, it takes a thief. The French Riviera has always been provided rich pickings for the aristocratic cat burglar. Lady Christina is enjoying the high life while adding to her collection, but when suspicion falls on her after a robbery turned murder, Christina decides to catch the culprit herself. Right. Okay. So she's become a detective, sounds, but sounds, just to save her own skin. Sounds a bit shit. Doesn't yeah. It? Right. What about this one? Skin deep. Ooh. Well, I mean, sooner or later, they're gonna have to introduce some classic Doctor Who stuff to it. Otherwise, it can't just be her going around thieving. So this one's gonna be a bit more science fictiony, I think. So maybe Cybermen. So. Yeah. Sylvia Noble. 
Is that Donna's mum? Donna's mum. Yeah. Oh, always she's back, knew, is she? Great. Yeah, always knew she deserved better. So when a chance encounter with aristocracy propels her out of Chiswick and into high society, she's delighted. But the beautiful people have their own agenda. And Christina is surprised when those plans involve her father. Wilf? Maybe these oh, aren't shit. Maybe Wilf's in it, then, you it's, know. I can't see whether it's actually got cribbins in it. Oh, they've probably got cribbins. Right. They, they have a pretty good track record of getting... I, I forgot to say that after we said we were going to give Cribbins an award yeah. for being the best thing ever about Doctor Who, yeah. I sent him a tweet, yeah. and it, it looks like he hasn't accessed his Twitter page since about 2009. Oh, his, his final tweet is, I'm busy with a Christmas special. Oh. So, it's yeah. sad. Right, episode three, Portrait of a Lady. Mm. Okay, so like it's going to be like an art thief, you know, set in the world of... Yeah, art museums and stuff. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. When her plot to steal a priceless painting runs yeah, yeah. into trouble, Christina crashes into an undercover unit operation and Sam Bishop. Is he an important character? Is he not that one guy from... That's always in it. Oh, is it? I thought Sam Bishop... Is he not the... From the, uh, the Master stories, the one that Martha has a bit of a crush on? Let's have a quick look. Sam Bishop, Doctor Who, is a member of a unit. He came from a family of bookkeepers and teachers. I don't know. Yeah. Does that photo ring any bells? No. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, maybe he's just a big Finnish character. He's first seen in Earthfall. I don't think we've watched that no, yet. I don't think... Oh, is that maybe a... I think that might be a Torchwood thing. Maybe. Oh, it could be. So, she bumps into Sam Bishop. Soon, her number 200 bus is racing from Europe to South America and into the depths of the Pacific, chasing a mysterious and unstoppable foe. Oh. They're not giving away who's, uh, who the villains are, are they? No. Yeah. Except for in episode four, Death on the Mile. So, a play on Death on, Death on the Nile there. Yep. So, presumably they're having a, doing an Agatha Christie-type riff. So, Lady Christina has been offered a job, the heist of a lifetime. She simply has to break into Edinburgh Castle. At the same time, Unit are investigating alien activity at the military tattoo. And where there's treasure and treachery, there's also Slitheen. Oh, good God. We don't need this, do we? No. No. But the next thing down on the Big Finish website is the adventures of Jenny, the Doctor's daughter. Oh, yes, yeah. Also a thing. Um, you be careful, because there'll be spoilers in there. There's there's some spin-offs that, of characters you've not even met yet. Right, so, so I'll leave that be. Yeah. I'll leave that be. So, yes, um, Christmas, we're not far off. I know what you're getting this year. <laughs> the adventures of Lady Christina. Ah. Uh. I mean, Big Finish do do some good stuff. I really like their Wraith Doctor stories. Um, I, I had a look. Yeah. And I, I was in Waterstones Bookshop yeah. in York. And I, I quite often just look at the audiobooks. I don't really yeah. know why. And there was one, I think we've, I might have told you this in the past, Yeah. called Rose. And it's the retelling of the first episode, Rose. But it's four hours long on CD. That must be just like a, a novelization. Someone or, or reading, like, yeah. Like... So to, to, there are, there, in addition to being Finnish, BBC Audio mm-hmm. also do their own in-house 
audio books, which are mostly just straight up readings of novelizations. Right. So I imagine that's what that is. Because um, we were talking last week about the novelizations that Terence Dix and others wrote for Target back in the day. A, a couple of years ago, they did a a they did some new novelizations of a handful of significant new Who stories because they'd only ever done uh, classic Who previously, yeah. and so and they got like Stephen Moffat to write one. The one that RTD wrote was rose right. and it was basically for them it was an opportunity to add in some other details that they maybe weren't time for in the original episode yeah. and like, so and, and they got pretty good reviews so i think there's maybe some merit to them but i've not i've not yet investigated any of those novelizations cool cool so yeah so yeah i i don't know where well i do know where we're going in terms of the next couple of episodes because obviously yeah. we're leading towards a finale yes but Things like Knock Four Times, Returning Through the Dark, aren't really yeah. now. Could be anything. Could, could be Damon from Deimos. Could be. Oh, I'd love some demons back. I really hope it's not. <laughs> I really hope it's not. It could be... Um, what about if it was some Telosian Cybermen like you saw on uh, in Tomb of the Cybermen? No. All sort of I, I'm crinkly. Just, I'm sort of done with Cybermen. <laughs> you know, I, if... I can understand if I had a passion for Classic Who, I'd be yeah. excited to see them. But the first few times we've seen them, just leave them be. Yeah. I'm uninspired by that. I think they they definitely need a bit of a rest. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I do maintain, I think the greatest comeback would be Adam, but it's not going to happen. No. But I think, it, as we've said before, I think it has in a comic book. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Should we Google that? <laughs> nah, it's no. fine. I'm, I'm planning on reading yeah. that eventually. So. Right. Um, anyway, until until next week, then when we will be discussing uh, the waters of Mars. Okay. Uh, so looking forward to that one. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Cheerio. Bye now. contact us our email address is time nor space pod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at time nor space pod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor Who.